Hey, thanks for listening to the Bellevue Christian Church podcast. We're a church in Bellevue, Pennsylvania, where ordinary people are learning to live everyday life like Jesus. We believe that one way to learn that life is by engaging with an ancient but active collection of books called the Bible every single week. If this teaching leaves you with a question about the content or a story of what God is doing in your life, please send a message to hello at bellevuechristian.church because we'd love to hear from you. Or enjoying meals with others or eating too many meals. And we have people that, that just really enjoy putting up the Christmas tree, putting up the decorations, putting up the, the lights outside in a house. And then, of course, we have those diehard Steeler fans who love just putting up a Steeler inflatable in their front yard, right? Looks something like this. <laughs> I took this picture this afternoon of somebody in this congregation. Just kidding. No, but actually, I think based on the way they played the game last night, there might be some people going around poking holes in those, those uh, inflatables. Anyway, again, there's many ways that people celebrate the joy of the season. You know, some people love looking at the old movies, the classic movies, you know, like uh, It's a Wonderful Life or White Christmas. I love both those movies. I can't choose which, decide which one I like the best because those are classic movies. But I also like some of the the, the classic movements of, uh, of the later period, like around the 90s, you know, the movies that came out in the 90s. Some of them were a little bit cheesy. Does anybody happen to remember this movie, uh, Jingle All the Way, 1996, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sinbad. Yes, one of my favorite movies. I love this movie. Uh, nothing says Merry Christmas like a workaholic dad and a crazed postal worker. And anyway, it's a, it's a very good movie. And I thought about showing a clip from this movie, but then I thought, you know, we've got kids in the audience, so I ought to stay away from that and just show something a little bit more toned down, a movie that we can all agree that is one of the, the annual classics, the, the favorite movie of all people, and that, the favorite video of all people, and that is a Christmas what is it called? A Charlie Brown Christmas. So let's watch that and uh, see how it goes.
All right, I need to hear a collective awe. Wasn't that nice? And it's sweet. Again, you know, we have a variety of ways that we somehow try to locate some sort of Christmas joy during the season. And this is all good stuff the way we do it. But, but as good as it is, it's really temporal joy. You know, temporal joy that can't last, go into the year. You know, we try to hold on to that joy. We try to sustain what was happening at Christmas. And we even see that uh, by the retailers. You know, they try to manufacture it. They try to package it. They try to sell it to us. But we know when Christmas is over, you know, when that last toy is played with or unwrapped, when the, the batteries are dead from the toys, you know, from the food is all eating or left over too long in the refrigerator or left out on the counter. We know when the gift cards are used, or in some case they just expired and not used. We know that that joy kind of goes out of Christmas. As Christmas goes out the door, the door, so does the joy go with us. And some of you are thinking, well, that's nice, Chuck. You know, thanks for being a killjoy. But, uh, you know, that's what I do. I'm a pastor, and so I, my, my job is to kill your joy. But actually, my job is to really bring you good news and let you know that the thing that we desire most, you know, the longing for joy, we cannot get from the world. The thing we cannot get from the world, God has provided through Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at this idea of longing for Advent. We've been going through this series actually called Longing for Advent. And we've talked about the idea that Advent means arrival. And specifically for Christians, it means the arrival of Jesus Christ. It means the first arrival of Jesus Christ that comes by way of the birth of Jesus. But it also speaks to the second arrival of Jesus Christ, or the second coming of Jesus Christ, when he comes as a victorious king. And we talk about the idea of an ancient scroll. When we talk about the ancient scroll, we're talking about uh, the, from the book of Isaiah, an ancient book called the book of Isaiah, which in that book we find a lot of answers to our deepest longings, our deepest joys, our deepest hopes that all point to this period of Advent, the season of Advent. And a little bit of background, you know, Isaiah was this 8th century a prophet who had the responsibility of speaking judgment into kind of a, a divided kingdom. You know, a kingdom had gotten very dark. It was filled with social, uh, social injustices, social turmoil, political turmoil, economic turmoil. You know, it was a period where they were nervous about all these different enemies coming against them. And really a period that's not too unlike what we're experiencing now. It was a very dark period, and we don't know exact reasons for that dark period other than the people had really turned their collective back on God. But in the midst of that darkness, we had Isaiah going on speaking his message of hope, hope that would come by way of a child. And we read, for, we read from Isaiah 9, 6, where it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Also known from verse 7 or chapter 7, Emmanuel, which means that God is with us. And so we see that this child, we learned earlier that the child would, would bring light to this darkened uh, nation. And not only light, it would, it would bring an extended period of rejoicing to the land. And we read about that in Isaiah 9, chapter, uh, verse 3, where it says, You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice because, before you as a people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. In other words, this coming of this Messiah his coming as king would, would, would result in an extended period of joy for the people. And this was out there on the horizon, but it was coming. And we would see that this prophecy would be fulfilled in the birth of Jesus Christ, a prophecy that would be announced to the shepherds by the angel. As we read in Luke chapter 2, it says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. 
I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Now imagine that most of you, these words sound or should sound familiar because it's the words that's spoken in many of the, the child's plays, uh, the children's plays throughout the year or throughout the season. And it was, again, the words that were spoken by, by Lioness at the end of the clip there. And it's, again, words that are probably familiar to most people. And there's a lot of things that I could talk about in this particular passage. But what I'd like to just focus, again, is on the theme of joy. The theme of joy, because joy does seem like the thing that we really long for, but it just seems to be beyond our grasp. I think part of the reason is that people have an idea, different ideas of, of what joy is and how it should be or how it is associated with Christmas. You know, if you were to take kind of a man on the street pole and you uh, survey you and he said, you know, what's the, how do you associate, why do we associate joy with Christmas? You get a variety of answers. Some people just look at you with a blank stare and say, joy, what joy? As I experience during Christmas is stress, especially if it's coming from a a retail clerk or a postal worker or someone like that that has to deal with the public. But then you'd get answers also that's very similar to the ones we've already mentioned. You know, you'd have people that they just get joy about, you know, working with the kids, building the gingerbread houses, you know, uh, packaging the presents, you know, going out there for the, uh, the Black Friday sales or, and participating in the Cyber Monday sales, you know, trying to get those last-minute deals. Those are the people, that's how they experience joy during Christmas. But then you'd get other people that are kind of associate joy more with the, the traditional story. Again, the story of the nativity. You know, baby Jesus in the manger. You've got the angels. You've got Mary and Joseph. You've got the no room at the end, the little drummer boy. All those characters that, again, contribute to the story, the nativity story, the Christmas story. That's how some people find joy during the season. But there'd probably be a few people that I think, including people in the, in the audience tonight, that'd be able to kind of nail the answer pretty closely to accurate. You know, they would see, if you say, What's, why is there so much joy associated with Christmas? They would say, listen, the Savior has been born, Christ the Lord. And they may even go on to kind of a, continue with the story, take the Christmas story and connect it to the Easter story. They might suggest or tell you how that little baby who was born in a manger one day would grow up to become a man, a man who would put himself on a cross, allow himself to be placed on a cross, be crucified for our sins, be buried, and after three days rise from the grave so that people who believe in him, believe in him could have that eternal life. Again, a lot of different ways that people would associate joy with Christmas, all good ways, good thoughts, but really none in themselves are sufficient to, again, to give you that, that type of joy, that sustaining joy that we seek to, to move us past Christmas and into the new year and through the new year. And some people would say, you know, well, yeah, I don't feel that joy. So if we've been sold some sort of a, a bill of goods, you know, were the angels trying to mislead us? Was it all just a big false idea or fake news or whatever you want to call it? That could be, but really the answer could be that maybe we're the problem. Maybe the word the ones that don't quite understand joy and again enjoy where it comes from and how it is expressed and how it is made known within us. You know, I by no means feel qualified to be a person to speak about joy. Some of you know my nationality is German. Yes. And Germans are not known for a joyful demeanor, right? Ask my wife. Nope, not. I was going to tell this joke the first. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't. I was going to say, my dad was a German, and the only time he smiled is when he passed the wind. That was about the only time he got a smile on his face. 
I didn't tell it the first one. I said, ah, you guys are a little bit easier crowd. <laughs> but yeah, I don't feel qualified as a German to speak about joy. I really don't. I mean, I live with an Italian. I, I can't even compete, you know. But I don't feel qualified to speak because I'm a German, but I do feel qualified to speak because I'm a pastor. And I believe that I can point to some reasons that many people don't experience joy, including myself at times. The first reason is, again, that we don't really receive that joy. In other words, you know, well, let me bring you back to the, the song that I think we'll sing later. It's called Joy to the World. Most of you know the first few couple lines. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. We sing that over and over and over. But do we really think about it? You know, we sing the words. But it's one thing to sing the words. It's another, one, another thing to receive the joy associated with the coming of the king. Again, we don't, we don't receive the very king, the one who would bring joy with him. And I know joy, or I'm sorry, this idea of receiving Jesus has been kind of over-spiritualized, but it's really not meant to be that complicated. You know, to receive something is just, a, you know, somebody presents you something like a gift, you stick your hands out, you receive it, you pull it in, and you take ownership of it. That's about as difficult as it can be. Some people say that receiving Jesus is even as simple as ABC, you know, accept the fact that you're a sinner, Believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and just claim him or confess him as Lord. That's about as difficult as the idea of receiving becomes. But as simple as it is, we know that people have a difficult time receiving it. Sometimes people give a lot of pushback to this idea of receiving Jesus. But what is common today was also common 2,000 years ago, that people just didn't want to receive Jesus. In fact, we read in the Gospel of John where he, talking about he, he being Jesus, came to that which was his own, his own basically creation, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. What an amazing offer. But yet people don't receive him. But again, if you want that type of sustaining joy, you have to be willing to receive the one that comes with the joy, right? You have to do that. And some people say, you know, well, yeah, I'm not sure about this receiving Jesus. You're saying that I cannot experience any real joy if I don't receive Jesus? Again, I'm not trying to say I have all the answers, but I am suggesting if you want the sustaining joy that's going to get you to the tough times, you better have something to hang that joy hat on. And I'm suggesting that the thing you're going to hang your joy hat on is Jesus Christ. You know, we all can experience moments of bliss, moments of happiness, moments of joy just by simply living in God's creation. God has made his creation available to all people and given us a glimpse of the type of joy that he wants to give us. You know, that's again, that's temporal joy. We can't, you know, we can experience a temporal joy, but it's very difficult without Jesus to, to experience the joy that's going to sustain us through the kind of ups and downs, the roller coaster of life, the circumstances of life, you know, when we're sad and when we're happy. Which brings me to the second reason why people don't often experience real joy is they associate joy too closely with happiness. And we're all guilty of that. If I'm feeling good, yeah, to me that's joyful. If the circumstances are good, I'm feeling happy, that must mean I'm joyful. Or if I'm, you know, circumstances are bad, something comes in from left field that I wasn't expecting, I feel sad, you know, then of course I can't feel joy. But what that suggests, again, is that joy and happiness are the same thing, and they're really not. They're quite different. Happiness is an emotion, an emotion that's based on the circumstances around you, where joy is something internal, something that, that, that is, is, inside, is part of your inner being. 
what the people, the Jewish people refer to as shalom. Again, that inner, that inner wholeness that gives you that peace and joy that sustains you beyond the circumstances. And it has to. You know, we know the circumstances of life are tough. We know that the, the, the happiness flows uh, through the goods and bad through life. And a lot of you have experienced some good times this last year, but a lot of you experienced some really bad times. I mean, I know because I talk to a lot of you. I read the prayer requests and all this kind of stuff, and you, you see people that have dealt with some major, major health issues this past year, health issues that affected you or have affected your loved ones. Other people have, ex- have experienced the death of a loved one, a sibling, a child, a spouse. You know, many people have dealt with the pain of trying to raise a, a, a young child or a teenager in this particular culture. You know, and some people have experienced financial loss, major financial loss or job loss. And many people, all of the above. Many people carry major, major burdens. I'm amazed when I hear the different stories of people. I love hearing people's stories, but I hear the stories of people and how, again, the burdens they carry. And they never really experience any sense of joy because, again, they've attached joy and happiness too close together. And so although they may have a moment of joyful bliss here and there, that moment can go away so quickly because it could be overshadowed again by the sadness of a circumstance of life. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that you cannot be sad, you shouldn't be sad. Yes, sad is an emotion that God has given us. It is okay to be sad. It's okay to, be, to cry. But again, it's something that we should not, not attach too closely to a sense of joy. In other words, that, that it would not be the object of our joy. You know, C.S. Lewis, the writer, speaks to this when he defines joy. He says, defines it like this. He says, joy is this deep-seated longing that is embedded in each of us and is questing for its proper object. Joy is this deep-seated longing that is embedded in each of us and is questing for its proper object. And I would say that the proper object is not happiness. The proper object is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the object of our joy. And Jesus is because Jesus is the only one that can sustain us. Jesus is the only one that could be the anchor of our soul during these tough times. The writer of Hebrews says it like this. He says, we have this hope, the hope of the gospel, Jesus Christ of the gospel, as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. So again, the object of your joy has to be Jesus Christ. So we have to, again, receive this joy. We have to refrain from trying to attach to happiness. And that's, you know, how we get closer to experience the lasting joy. But really, even beyond that, you know, you think about, there's a lot of Christians out there that, that a lot of people in this room, including myself at times, where, yes, we've received Jesus as Lord, went through the whole thing, and, and yet, and, and we also understand that joy is not an emotion, that joy is more of an interior reality, that, it, you know, but, but at the same time, we struggle with experiencing this joy, this internal, this lasting joy in our lives, and so I would suggest a third possibility for those of people that have been Christians for a long time for not being able to experience that long-term sustaining joy that, joy that we really like or we want is because we have failed to nourish that joy. The joy that has been given to us again by God through Jesus Christ. I think some of us, you know, we try to will ourselves into joy. You know, I'm having a bad experience. I'm a Christian. I'm not supposed to be sad. I'm supposed to be joyful, so I'll be joyful. I'll be joyful. I'll be joyful. I'll read scriptures that speak of joy. You know, again, good things. But we forget that, again, we cannot manufacture joy 
any more than the world can manufacture joy. We can only receive the joy that's been imparted in us in God through Jesus Christ. Paul speaks of this in Romans when he writes, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, a lot of stuff in here, but the main thing is that first couple lines where it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. The two things that we long in life, long for in life, peace and joy, the two main things are already given to us by God. Poured into us, like you would take a glass of, uh, uh, from a pitcher, or you take a pitcher of water and pour it into a glass. But really, this is pitcher not just pouring into a glass to the point of, uh, of filling, but the point of overflow. That's the joy. That's the peace that we have accessible to us. But again, it's not a passive activity. It doesn't, it's not a passive thing that we do. To, 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 we just allow it to come into our lives. We have to do a little bit of work. It goes back to the idea we need to nourish it. We need to nourish that joy. We need to spend time. We need to treat it almost like we treat a, treat a plant. In fact, Jesus himself, he kind of equates it, gives a kind of an agricultural you know, uh, uh, metaphor to it when he speaks to, the, speaks to the need to stay connected to the vine. In John 15, we read where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And this seems complicated. Jesus, again, is using one of these metaphors. What does it mean to remain in Jesus? What does it mean to remain in the vine? It's just stay connected to him. Stay connected to him. And how do Christians stay connected to Jesus? By doing what we call collectively the spiritual practices, the spiritual disciplines. You know, you stay connected to God. You stay connected to the vine through simple things like prayer and Bible study, you know, meditation, fasting, worship. All these things create space for God to work in your lives and help you to stay, keep that connection with the vine. And that's what we're talking about here. But a lot of people forget about those ways and they go off and they separate the, the branch from the vine and they wonder why they experience no particular joy. And again, this passage reminds us that there's a fruit associated, staying connected to the vine, a fruit that would include joy. Again, we read in Paul's letter to the Galatians where he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are things that, again, that we cannot manufacture in ourselves. We can just develop by that ongoing relationship with the vine. And again, the outcome of this is joy. And not the temporal joy that the world tries to, again, manufacture, package, and sell to us, but the eternal joy that has been made available that is really equivalent of the joy that has been in Jesus Christ through all time. In fact, I love this passage that reads farther down in the Gospel, in the gospel of John, following this discussion about the vine. Here's what Jesus concludes it all. He said, I told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I mean, that kind of wraps it up. I've told you what I just told you so that the joy that I have, the eternal joy that I have, is now in you, and now your joy is complete. It's perfected. I mean, that kind of joy is available to us, and it's a joy that was going to, again, give us a, a defense of all the, against all the things that would come away, come at us in this world, in this time, in the darkness of our lives, that would try to rob us of that joy. Anyway, in summary, again, Isaiah, you know, said that this joy is coming. And it was fulfilled again in the coming of Jesus Christ. 
And again, it's available to each of us if we're willing to just receive it, to take it, and to nourish it. And some of you are thinking about now saying, that's fine, Chuck. You know, I know it's a Christmas sermon and you got to say this kind of stuff. But really, you don't know my circumstances because you're all thinking, oh, my circumstances are so much worse than everybody else's in this room. Yeah, you're right. I don't know your circumstances, but you don't know my circumstances either. You know, and that's the reality of it. We always think that somebody, that we have the worst circumstances than everybody else until you begin to talk to people and you realize that everybody's got a story and you listen to their story and you say, whoa, their story makes my story, my circumstances look good, right? And it happens. But what you also would see if you began to talk to these people, you would see that there's people out there, again, going through a lot tougher things than you will ever experience, yet in the midst of them, are able to experience and, and, and keep that joy, that sustaining joy within them because, again, of that connection to Jesus Christ. So talk to people, and you would hear, again, that, that there's people out there that are struggling worse than you but are able to maintain that joy because they maintain that connection with the vine. And if you don't want to talk to other people, if you don't want to listen to other people's story, then simply listen again to the, to the letter of Hebrews, you know, where he writes, let us fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That is just bizarre when you think about it. Jesus was crucified. And the way he was able to endure the, the pain, the suffering, was fixing his eyes on that joy. You know, as Austin talked about crucifixion yesterday, it wasn't just about the pain, the physical pain uh, that was, he had to deal with. It was, the, it was the psychological and the shame that Jesus had to deal with. And I guarantee you that Jesus was dealing a lot more with pain and uh, physical pain and psychological pain than, than all of us will probably ever experience in our lifetime. And how he was able to do that, again, by fixing his eyes on the joy that would come at the other side. On the joy that he would know that he would be eternally uh, reunited with the Father and really open up the doorway for all of humanity so every human could also experience that same joy. Not just now, but for all eternity. So in closing, you know, if you're getting caught up in your circumstances, it happened this year and you're caught up in your, someone to just dwell on the negativity of your circumstances, Again, just take a lesson from Jesus. See if you can rise above it and fix your eyes on, on something farther down the road. In fact, fix your eyes on Jesus. Again, for the, for the suffering, the, the joy he was able to experience while enduring the cross. And begin to understand that, again, that joy is available to those who have received him. That joy is available to those who have trusted him. Those joy has been available to those who, again, understand that joy is not an emotion, but a reality. For those who put their faith in Jesus Christ and nourish that relationship through an ongoing, enduring uh, time of discipline with him. Let us pray. Thanks for listening. If that teaching moved you or left you with questions, let us know by sending a message to hello at bellevuechristian.church. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast for a new teaching from us every single week.